This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. And filling in for Tommy today, we're lucky to have with us in studio, Hysteria's Erin Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here, and it feels so weird to be back here. I know. It's like time has passed, but also has not passed. Erin, I think the last time you and I were in the studio together was when you and Dan and I covered the um, Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, yeah. And I was on the verge of 50 tears. years ago? My voice shaking with rage. Um, yeah, I remember that. Things have been going great since then. Yeah, things have been great. <laughs> on today's show, Democrats need a better plan to fight inflation anxiety. Republicans get bolder about defying Donald Trump. And Fox News has a Valentine's crush on Canadian truckers. But first, check out this week's Offline, where I talk to YouTuber Hank Green about how he inspires curiosity online, why he believes the internet can still be a force for good, and what happens to candle wax when it burns? New episodes of Offline drop every Sunday right here on the Pod Save America feed. Also check out the latest episode of Take Line to hear Jason and Renee recap the Super Bowl. New episodes of Take Line drop every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to the news. On the heels of last week's Labor Department report that inflation grew at its fastest rate in four decades, a new CBS poll says that nearly 60% of Americans rate the condition of the economy as bad despite low unemployment and rising wages, mainly because the vast majority of voters say that their rating is based on the price of food, gas, and other services. President Biden was asked about inflation during a pre-Super Bowl interview with NBC's Lester Holt. Here's what he said. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit, uh, and I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time... What happened was the uh, let's look at the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, 
the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles so they could function. They need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens? With the number of cars that were reduced, the new cars reduced, it made up with one point one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, we got Intel to come in and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. When can Americans expect some relief from this soaring inflation? According to Nobel laureates, 14 of them that contacted me and a number of corporate leaders, it's ought to be able to start to taper off as we go through this year. Oof. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of uh, Biden's answer there? And how should the president and Democrats be talking about this issue? Well, it wasn't a good answer. It wasn't a good answer at all. It's sort of, I I don't know, I don't, when he's deploying the like noir slang, like, hey, wise guy over here. Like wiseacre. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Giving me raspberries. Now say, what's the big idea? When he starts like dropping that (laughs) stuff, you know that it's not going to be really in touch with what people are going through now. Um, But the Nobel laureates part was, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that he was answering it as though he were speaking to an insider Mm. rather than speaking to the American people who are the ones who are the ones who are in alert here. Um, Here's the thing, though. I don't want to downplay inflation because it does affect people's lives and it sucks and it's hard. And it's one of the economic indicators that you actually feel every day if you're a regular person. Like most regular people don't really experience a stock market drop Unless they, like me, Google sad stockbrokers on those days to get pictures of them looking really, really sad on the floor of the exchange. <laughs> that's really, just fun. That's fun for you. It's just some fun for me. Yeah. Um, it's like also, you know, Aaron Rodgers after the Packers lost pictures. That's that's also sort fun. of a, that yeah. sort of a vibe. Um, Famous anti vaxxer Exactly. Exactly. So he, you know, he deserved it in a way. Oh, the thing is, inflation is a story, but it's not the entire story. It's only a piece of the story, and. What Biden missed the opportunity to do was point out the fact that economic relief was a huge part of his Build Back Better agenda, and that agenda was blocked by Republicans and two wacky Democrats. And here's it, it's like immediate to people who experienced like the temporary provisions of the Build Back Better agenda, like the, t- the child tax credit, for example. Um, the child tax credit every month was putting money in people's pockets. And research into what they were doing with that money showed that they were spending it on their kids. Like it is, they were using it exactly the way they were supposed to use it. It was lifting children out of poverty. It was doing what it was, what it was supposed to do. So I think the inflation thing is not part of anybody's agenda because it's something that cyclically happens from time to time and you can make reactive choices to mitigate it. But the real story here is that inflation is hitting people harder because Biden wasn't able to get Build Back Better passed because Congress is completely dysfunctional. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, look, he's asked a question. Inflation is the question. The framing of it doesn't matter. How Lester Holt framed it doesn't matter. He starts, at the time, what happened was, let's look at the reason. According to Nobel laureates, according to corporate leaders, he is. Uh, it's a man on a train looking out at America, passing by, uh, and there's no, um, there's no agency in it. He gets he tries to get at things he's kind of doing to sort of address it in the middle, but it's all a bit muddled. And there's a kind of I feel like clean message. I'm gonna give me. Let's set a timer for sixty seconds. Okay. I'd like to set a timer for sixty seconds. All right, and I'm gonna do. Here, I'm gonna. 
And I want to be clear. I have my phone here. Take out a timer for sixty wow. seconds, and I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a sixty second inflation message. Oh, look, let me just let me just set it for a minute because it was set for fifteen minutes for my COVID test. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> Negative. Same. And this is gonna be, and I believe I believe that this brings together uh, the the alpha and omega of Pod Save America, David Axelrod's advice and Dan Pfeiffer's advice. Oh right? wow! Here we wow, go. Okay, here we go. Start. This inflation is unacceptable. We've got giant corporations with record profits taking advantage of this once in a century pandemic. They've never been doing better where they see a chance to squeeze people because they've gobbled up all their competitors. They're padding the prices and hoping we just take it. So we're taking them on. We're going to manufacture more products in America so we have more jobs in America and less dependence on delicate international supply chains. When one boat gets stuck in a canal in Egypt and all hell breaks loose, we're going to fight these mega mergers that make a few executives rich but raise prices for the rest of us. And we face a lot of opposition from my Republican friends, getting to Aaron's point, but we passed a big relief bill to put more money in your pockets right now Republicans in the Senate are stopping us from doing more to tackle higher prices, to help with child care, to extend the child tax credit. But I'm still fighting. We're beating the pandemic. We're creating jobs faster than anyone predicted. Now we have to make sure folks don't feel like they're taking a pay cut because the price of gas or meat is up because you work too hard to see all your money go not as far as the gas station or the grocery store. And that's what I wake up thinking about. And that's what I go to sleep thinking about. And it's no malarkey. Eight seconds to go. Eight seconds to spare. I, I feel like something like that is in the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. I think How about a, something active? Well, look, it was, it's, I think the, the important thing there was it is active and it's it goes to Aaron's point as well, which is especially, look, this and I don't want to just pick only on Joe Biden here. This happens to presidents. This happens to senators and, and, and members of Congress in both parties when you've been in government for a while. And particularly when you're in the foxhole and you've been criticized for stuff, you, you, what you want to do is be on the defensive and explain your way out of something. Always a bad idea. Terrible. Your job is not to narrate what's going on in the country necessarily. Your job is to say that you're going to fix what's going on in the country or at least say that you're going to fight as hard as you can to fix it. And not only Joe Biden, but every single Democrat in the country needs to start thinking about every time you get a question, how to draw the contrast with Republicans. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what they're doing. Or here's what we're going to do. Here's what they're blocking. Right. Like that. That's the whole and and, and feel people's pain. Well, that's the while part. you're doing it, too. And don't tell them that, like. Don't worry, the Nobel laureates told me that it's going to be fine later. And you can what? talk to them on your text chain with the Nobel <laughs> well, laureates. Let me uh, tell you, I'm in touch with the Nobel laureates. They I, would be, I wouldn't worry too bad. It's the, the Nobel laureates think it's only going to be a couple more months. But the, the other thing about it's so frustrating because like there are actual, I think, reasonable times to be even to be more like you're talking to insiders, right? There, there are interviews that Joe Biden will give. There are moments at a press conference where it might make sense to give a kind of more insidery answer just to give his actual perspective, something a little bit less on message. The Super Bowl pre-interview is not the place for computer chips. And here's what happened last year. It's like, right. you get it. You understand why it's important. You feel that that you you relate to the people going through the pain. And here's what we're doing to fix it. Like just a super simple kind of he and he knows how to do that. It just was a kind of. Yeah, I, I think that Democrats whiff. do better when more people are paying attention. And right now, like if you take a, a look at the numbers of like CNN, nobody's really paying attention because politics is kind of back to being a little bit boring compared to, you know, what it was when Trump was in the White House and everyone was afraid every single day that something terrible was going to happen. This was an opportunity for Biden to get people to pay attention to him and to pay attention to what he's doing. I think a lot of people are just kind of sleepwalking through this administration because they're busy taking care of their own lives and it's not fireworks all the time. And he missed an opportunity to, and I hate, I, I sound, I hate this, but he, he missed an opportunity to go a little bit viral. If he would have done what you did, he, I mean, maybe not talk so fast. He could have taken more than a minute because he wouldn't have had like a timer. Right I felt the timer. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you had like a micro machines guy cadence kind of. My, my um, nature. But it, you know, if he would have taken that opportunity to just be like, I'm gonna be grandstand in Joe and and really reach through the camera to the audience, I think it really could have been a moment for him. I think he's also uniquely equipped to do this, right? Like there's two different versions of Biden you get. There's Senate Joe and then there's Scranton Joe. And I think that Scranton Joe, you know, sometimes he can tell stories about it and whatever it goes on. But it's in this moment, that's actually what he needs is to talk, is to like really identify with the struggles of working people in this country. I mean, the New York Times did um, a focus group. Uh, Margie O'Mara, who's a, a Democratic pollster, conducted it and it was 12 Democrats and independents. And uh, they were asked about the state of the economy and, you know, the words they use, they asked for like one word to talk about the economy, scared, sad, ripped off, annoyed. Everyone complained about prices. When they were asked about the federal government, they said that politicians in both parties are all talk and no action on this issue. Now, obviously, you hear this a lot from voters, but I think sometimes we forget that all the stuff we're talking about, the insidery conversation, sort of misses that most people in this country, most voters in this country, most most Democratic voters in this country are just thinking about, like, how to get by. And if prices are high and, and you know, their wages might have risen, but they but most of that increase is eaten away at it by inflation, that's tough. And that's what they're thinking about all the time. Yeah. And I do that. People should read that that piece in The Times, because I also I think that there's this sort of I think some people who spend all their time on Twitter or who are just more steeped in politics generally, I think sometimes they underestimate and overestimate people at the same time because uh, it's not saying that, oh, you know, Biden needs to dumb it down, say something similar. Like there are really kind of sophisticated conversations about what's happening, what's not, how vaccine mandates could help versus how they could hurt. Like there's a really great conversation in there. But like there's also there's a feeling that politicians are disconnected from their daily lives. And there was one woman, Jenny, in the in the in the focus group that said something that like really stuck with me. She said, Everything feels so unpredictable. It's like ever since March of 2020, I don't feel certain of anything anymore. It's economics, politics, relationships. I'm single. I date. And it seems like even dating is different now. How we treat each other is different. What we prioritize these days is different. And Biden became... Yeah, that stuck out at me too. Biden is president of the United States right now because he was able to be the right person at the right time to both speak to the <laughs> limitations and dangers of Trump while also being a candidate who understood intimately the nature of grief and loss and real pain. And I do think that that first principle of why Joe Biden is president has not gone away. Like that, the country is still in crisis. The country is still reeling. And whatever the, the larger economic indicators, whatever the contribution of inflation might be, like this is a country that is saying things feel bad, both because of substantive, practical, measurable, economic reasons and also because we have been through a trauma and we are still inside of it. And the trauma drove us online more, which made an entire, you know, group of people extremely online. Mm. Fox News viewers are the most extremely like it is incomprehensible to me to what what the fuck is this story? It's a, it's a meme that became a story that got responded to and it's just so far away from reality it, because it's so digital. Mm. I and I feel like the the trauma that we went through also was a trauma that was particularly cruel because it made us all worse, to Jenny's point. Um, by being, uh, I mean, partly by being online all the time. Being online all the time. It takes up to, like, and treating each other like how we treat each other online. Shines a, shines a light on our worst impulses. Totally. <laughs> Love it. You, you mentioned this in your answer, and, and uh, 
Dan Pfeiffer had some advice on this in his latest message box, which is the Democrats should point out that, quote, while American families are struggling to make ends meet, corporations are reaping record profits. But Politico points out that one reason Biden might not be embracing this message is because a number of liberal economists don't believe that corporate greed is causing inflation and say they would call Democrats out if they say that. Aaron, what did you what did you think about that? That is a talk about an insidery conversation. <laughs> like, holy shit. I pulled oh, no. <laughs> I pulled up. The, I was I Googled highest paid CEOs as I was prepping for the show. And I came up with a website on the AFL-CIO's website. Like, this is a way that unions recruit by being like, look at how fucking much money these people are making. Hundreds of millions of dollars to run companies I've never heard of. RH. What is RH? I don't know, but Gary Friedman is getting paid $178 million to run it. Sounds like he's pretty good at it. <laughs> he's not $178 million. Nobody's $178 million good at anything. Um, I, I feel like, you know, to, to borrow a Mitt Romney quote, corporations are people, my friend, at least at the top of the corporation. That's a person who is making a fuckload of money and who is answering to shareholders instead of their employees. You know, they're cutting the the quality of life for people that work for them in order to pad their own pockets and in order to enrich shareholders. And, and that's a message that, I mean, look, I think I'm pretty regular, but as a regular person gets me pretty fucking mad. Mo- it, as it would most people. Like, look, I, I, you don't have to go out there and say, uh, 90% of inflation is caused by corporate greed and consolidation, if that's not true. No one's saying to say that, okay? But, like, this this happened a month ago. There was, like, a couple days where people on Twitter spent uh, a couple days yelling at the New York Times for writing about some guy who complained that he was spending too much on a Chipotle burrito. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, you know, maybe, like, the guy was a small business owner, and so he was wealthy enough that he shouldn't have been complaining about the burrito. Who the fuck cares? But it's like... Why wouldn't they just yell at Chipotle for raising prices, even though its CEO got a 137% pay raise after a year of record profits? Like, I get that Chipotle can't do much about higher beef prices internationally, but, like, they don't have to give raises to their executives when they're charging working class customers more for food. And the only politician I saw point that out was Bernie Sanders. (laughs) That's it. Like, everyone should be talking about that. Yeah, MSNBC compiled, basically, I think, What's happened in stepping back is that inflation has been sorted as a political problem and anything in this country sorted by the mainstream press as a political problem is something where either Republicans win or Democrats lose. Like those are the kind of two options. And so it is a, it is the problem for Democrats to sort out. MSNBC gathered these sort of quotes from financial executives at companies. And they said things like this. We've been very comfortable with our ability to pass on the increases that we've seen at this point. That's from Kroger. Uh, and we would And we would expect that to continue to be the case. Uh, what we're very good at is pricing. That's Colgate Palmolive CEO. We have found ways over time to recover that in our margin line. And that is certainly the focus right now as a business. Kellogg, very, very strong performance, mostly driven by price. So all of these companies are being very explicit. Whatever's going on in the market, they are passing on higher prices, whatever, they are reaping, they are, they are keeping their profits incredibly high by passing 100% of the costs onto consumers. Whether or not you can point to corporate consolidation is absolutely true that one trend we have seen over many years is that when corporations gobble up their competitors, they are able to work people on price and maybe take advantage of an opportunity like this where there aren't as much, there is as much competition. They know they can blame the supply chain. They know there's no one else that's going to uh, force them to keep their prices low. So whatever the kind of 
<laughs> some people are so smart they get stupid yeah. and it's like <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah. uh, one other option for democrats on the economy is to do more to help workers organize employees at the amazon warehouse in bessemer alabama will soon hold a second vote as to whether to form that company's first union workers at a few starbucks locations have recently voted to unionize there's even a push to organize capitol hill staffers and the white house released a plan last week that detailed several steps to facilitate union growth within the federal government and in the private sector what do you guys think? Are, are the are Democrats giving the labor movement enough attention? What else should they be doing? Are there any downsides to going all in on this issue? What do you think? Um, well, first of all, I think if Starbucks unionizes, they should change their name to Our Bucks, just to reflect. Wow. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Aaron, for being here. You're uh. So mad at me. <laughs> um, you know, I was at I was part of the union drive at a at Gawker Media. Okay. Um, and I remember when it first started it was like hamilton nolan and a couple other people who worked there um really worked their asses off to get everybody excited about the union but even at a place like a new york media place it was tough to get everybody on board because the corporate line is always like they always tell you oh it's better if you don't like we don't you already have everything you need We're, aren't we generous enough blah 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 um and ultimately after a long drawn out process we successfully unionized. And since then, there have been a ton of digital newsrooms that have unionized in New York to the betterment of the employees at those newsrooms. It's mm. been it's so much better to be secure enough that if something happened to your job, like there is a procedure in place that must be followed. There is a set of uh, steps that must be taken in order for you to be let go. And if you are let go, there's a certain amount of compensation you get. It used to be that you could just kind of like get let go and that's it. You get like one week pay per year that you've worked there and it's digital media. So everyone's only worked there for like six years or whatever. But, you know, it's it's now like, it's so much better to work at a shop that's unionized. I, I can just say that as someone who, who was in a place that wasn't unionized and then was. I think that the thing that is standing between... Um, an, average workplace and a union is corporate rhetoric that it's not a good idea. It's also a ton of work. I'm not I'm not trying to to downplay the value of joining a union, but it is a lot of meetings. Yeah. It is a lot of meetings, a lot of really long boring meetings, a lot of meetings where you have to sit down with your boss and your boss tells you a bunch of stuff that you don't know if it's true or not and it, it leaves a really bad taste in some people's mouths. I know Alyssa had to sit on the corporate side, Alyssa Master Monaco, yeah. during the vice union negotiations and oh, she right. said the whole thing made her feel real icky inside. So, you know, it it it's an uncomfortable process, but on the other side of it, it's it's really great compared to what it was before. I think the politics have shifted as well. Like, you know, only 10% of American workers currently belong to a union, but a whopping 68% of Americans approve of labor unions, which is the highest measure that Gallup has tested since 1965. And 48% of workers say they join a union if given the opportunity. So even that delta between only 10% are part of a union, 48% said they would join a union is, you know, and I think the Democrats should be out in front of this issue more. And to the Biden administration's great credit, it has been. I mean, even the Biden administration issuing a statement about the Bessemer uh, organizing process was unusual for a president to do. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you draw a connect, direct, direct connection with the decline of unions and the decline of power workers have in their workplaces. Um, and they're, I think some those fed, fed on each other. I think Republicans have for 40 years led a concerted effort to attack unions, uh, right to work, other kinds of uh, attacks on the ability of workers to organize. And as we look at ways in which uh, 
corporate power has accumulated, companies have consolidated, it has taken power away from consumers and it has taken power away from workers and unions are a way that people can get that power back. Yeah, I think we've also seen in recent years a lot of examples of people losing a coveted union or having a coveted union weakened, like in public sector workers in Wisconsin, for example. Yes. When Scott Walker became governor, that's one of the first things he did. And after working with the protection of a union for a really long time and then having that weakened, like that was a loss to teachers. That was a loss to people who were working in public sector in Wisconsin. And I think that there are just really recent examples of people being like, wait a minute, I want I want that back. So private sector workers wanting to unionize maybe is a sort of like funhouse mirror reflection of what Republicans were trying to do in states where they just kind of took the reins of the democracy lab. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, let's talk about what's going on in the Republican Party, where the battle is on between old crow Mitch McConnell and old lunatic Donald Trump. Uh, New reporting in the New York Times and the Washington Post suggests that actually Trump may be losing his grip on the party, or at least some Republican leaders think he is. Jonathan Martin says that McConnell has been telling potential Senate candidates that, quote, Mr. Trump is losing political altitude and need not be feared in a primary, as the Senate leader's lieutenant share polling data, they argue, proves it. And Michael Shearer and Josh Dossie at The Post say that, quote, the former president's power within the party and his continued focus on personal grievances is increasingly questioned behind closed doors at Republican gatherings, according to interviews with more than a dozen prominent Republicans in Washington and across the country, including some Trump advisors. Uh, what do you guys think? Who, wa- who wants to make the case that this is wishful thinking on the part of old Crow and his pals? Trump's power is waning, they said, skulking behind closed doors, hoping no one catches them. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Wait. You don't believe it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. These stories are not proved to me that Trump's power is waning. These stories are proved to me that there is a small, very limited, uh, very weak group of people who hope that they can take advantage of the possibility that his power may be waning, but they don't know for sure. Yeah, cat's power is waning, say mice scurrying beneath floorboards. <laughs> like unidentified mice who would not come out from the floor. Um, I also take issue with uh, characterizing Mitch McConnell as an old crow because crows are really, really intelligent and cool. And uh, I think McConnell's intelligent and cool. He's not. Oh, you're right. You do, okay, you're the right. Crows, no, he's, he's, crows apparently recognize people's faces. They hold grudges. Which is, which well, is also McConnell. That's very Mitch McConnell. McConnell. Yeah, they recognize, but they bring you presents if they like you. They bring you like. Really? Yeah. Well, so he's nice. Anyway, I don't think Mitch, I don't want a present from Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> but I do think that some of this, this is in, like kind of media, in, media insidery, but I think some of the like Republican sources talking like, you know, off record with reporters is a way to like source grease like look i'm not crazy like here here you have a story i'm not crazy you can like don't report mean things on me because i'm behind closed doors saying these things about the crazy ones in the party um and so i i take all of this with a grain of salt because 
A, I think that Donald, there was evidence that Donald Trump was never quite the kingmaker that headlines made him out to be in the first place. Um, otherwise, why did, you know, two Georgia Senate seats go blue after he was really harping on that? Uh, that's just one example of him going right. all in for somebody and it just not panning out. Um, what was that? The child molester in Alabama. That was another one. Oh, yeah. Roy Moore. The Doug Jones Roy, Roy, beat, Roy, yeah. Roy Moore. Um, so I don't think he's, he was ever really like a political kingmaker. He was good at making himself, but he was really inconsistent at, at spreading that around to other people. He could make media stars, mm. uh, but he couldn't really make like political, like, you know, campaign winners. That is, that is true. Look, I am someone who, even though we're out of the prediction business, I have felt since 2020 quite confident that it is Trump's nomination if he wants it for 2024. Reading these two pieces, maybe over the last couple of weeks, is the first time I've started thinking, okay, I'll I'll look at the other side of this story that maybe he's losing his grip on the party. And maybe there is some evidence of this. I mean, I think that as Republicans feel more confident that they may win the House and the Senate because of everything we've talked about, um, they may start thinking that they don't necessarily need Donald Trump, right? That like you need, what do these people care about? They care about, they don't like, some of them don't love Donald Trump. They just care about winning. And if winning requires pretending to love Donald Trump, they're all for that, right? So whatever gets them to win. And I think that like, you know, if they start feeling more confident that they don't need him, they might start thinking, well, we know that Trump still turns off a lot of independent voters, right? There was a poll in Michigan just a week ago that showed that his popularity was like 31%. It was his lowest ever in, in, in a swing state of Michigan. So if you're a Republican or Republican strategist, you're running for office, you're thinking, okay, how do I get the base? If I can get the base and I can, and I can beat a Democrat in a competitive race because of the economy, because of the pandemic, whatever it may be, and I don't have to turn off some voters by embracing Donald Trump, I'll take that. And the question is, can you can you do that all the way through 2024 and maybe excise Trump from the party? Now, yeah. I think you're I think you're right, Aaron. That's very different when he's running on his own versus when he's endorsing someone. But that's the other case that it's maybe possible. It's like I don't know if I buy it, but it's the other Schrodinger's case. fascist. Like I both am with Trump and am not with Trump, but you right. know, at the same time, right? Yeah, it, you know, it's the difference. Right. The distinction is what we're talking about endorsements inside of these Senate races. But but in terms of a Republican primary in 2024, Trump has already in many ways won the propaganda apparatus, uh, the uh, Republican base that is is all kind of created the dynamics in which, you know, whatever dough goes into the pasta maker, Trump ravioli is what comes out. That is what this machine now throws out. Ron DeSantis, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, you name it. Any Republican that might consider running for president at some point is figuring out just how to be their version of Trump, a smarter version, a more sophisticated version, a more accomplished version, whatever it might be, a more staid version. But they're all going to be some version of Trump. And it's going to look like a bunch of Trumps out there. And sometimes it's going to look like seven small Trumps. Sometimes it's going to look like one big Trump, like zebras. I mean, I do think it's interesting, at least in the New York Times story, they show that basically McConnell's plan isn't working as well as he'd like it to be because he didn't get Larry Hogan, who's a more moderate Republican governor of Maryland, to run for Senate in Maryland. Um, and it, we don't know yet, but it's looking like Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, who Donald Trump does not like because he refused to say that the, you know, election was stolen from him. Um, it's going to be hard to get Doug Ducey to run for Senate. Now, as a Democrat, I'm thinking like, there's some real wacko Republicans in Arizona. And if Doug Ducey is running against Mark Kelly, I am more nervous than if some of these other 
wackadoodles are running against uh, uh, Mark Kelly. Yes, I mean, <laughs> Trump, so I, think, I think McConnell's strategy is is right here. I just don't know if it's going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think you know Trump is on the sidelines, like kind of whipping shit at people, right? And the thing about whipping shit at people is it's hard to get somebody to do something, but it can stop you from doing something, right? Like I think Trump has kind of anti-power in these races. Uh, he can scare people away from running uh, more than I think McConnell can convince somebody to do something very hard, which is deciding to enter uh, a statewide political race. Uh, and that's the power I think he has right now, which is that, like you have to decide. He just raises the stakes. Like, am I going to get into this and decide to spend the next the six months of my life dealing with like just an endless river of bullshit? And potentially and that's like threats to me and my family. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think about like the Cindy McCain of it all. Like she is uh, still pretty beloved in um, in Arizona politics, and so you know you have two shit whippers here. You have <laughs> she would probably, I mean, yeah, she whip shit too. Um, but they both are whipping shit at different candidates, you know. And so I I don't know enough about Arizona politics to go much further than that. Only to say that I think Doug Ducey is the most recognized name in Republican Arizona politics because he's the governor. Um, but I don't think, I, I can't think of another Arizona Republican off the top of my head who could match him in name recognition. Yeah, I mean, you have people like Kelly Ward, right? Who's oh, just yeah. like, woof. Absolutely batshit. Absolutely batshit. And I do think, look, there's this sort of like independent centrist streak in Arizona. Like I remember for the wilderness, I did a focus group there in Phoenix and people, everyone in the group, was they're all sort of swing voters and they're like, Oh, we wish we could have more politicians like John McCain and Kirsten Cinema. I know. Uh, but they're like, you know, it's too, Donald Trump is too extreme for us. We hate Donald Trump. And some of the Democrats are too far to the left. But this is who we like. So there is like that sort of feeling there a little bit. But um, but yeah, I don't know if McConnell's going to get all his candidates. <laughs> I mean, maybe McConnell wasn't a genius after all. All he does is stop <laughs> things like a rock that lands in the middle of a highway isn't a genius for stopping traffic. Yeah. All he, like an obst obstructionist doesn't take genius to pull off. It just takes being an asshole. Mm. Senate majority leaders always look dumber than Senate minority leaders because the Senate sucks. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny, too. It's like, again, to the like, is his is his grip waning? Like the amount of concerted effort, like. Elaine Chow is calling you on the phone. You got George so W. She, Bush. She was, she was calling Larry Hogan's wife to try yeah. to uh, pressure her to pressure him. George W. <laughs> Bush is laying on that famous charm of his. And meanwhile, Trump just tweets, this guy thinks the election was a fraud, so I like him. <laughs> That's it. That's his strategy. It's like the amount of effort that goes into uh, fighting back against such a fucking buffoonish Trump operation. Just a reminder of how much more power there is in the in the base that he has versus the dwindling support that people like Mitch McConnell have. Yeah, I also wanted to add, um, you were talking about social media and that reminded me that Trump's suspension from Facebook is going to like come to be revisited, I think, this summer. Oh, is it? So, yeah, it might be, you know, that might be a reason that people are a little bit like hesitant to take him on because who knows how he's going to take advantage of his newfound access to the Facebook reigns if he's allowed. So that's another question mark. No, that I thought that was interesting in the stories too, is that they said Trump has felt like frustrated by the fact that he's not getting the coverage that he once did. And maybe that's partly why is his, his, his grip is loosening to continue to use that metaphor. Um, but that's only whether he gets Twitter back, whether he gets Facebook back, if the guy is running for president in the Republican primary, he's going to get more coverage again. 
Like that, that's that's just going to be because he's running for president of the United States. And if he clears out the field or even if it's just him and Ron DeSantis or whoever, he's going to get a lot of coverage. And he then... also gets coverage because he's exciting. Like, I mean, exciting, like how uh, being in a car that's on fire going off a cliff is exciting. You know, like <laughs> like all you're very uh, agitated when you're dealing with him. But also at, in terms of a corporate media uh, desperate for ratings gets good ratings when they cover Donald Trump. And so if he does run, it'll be it'll be in corporate media's best interest to cover him. Not America's best interest, but it would be in corporate media's best interest. And that sucks because I don't think I can take another year of wall-to-wall Trump that yeah, I, I no, can't do it. Well, that, so I do think that it, it sort of remains to be seen. If he runs, it's going to be different. And then these stories will uh, be looked at a different light, I think. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. All right. Before we go, we want to celebrate Valentine's Day by talking about the cross-border love affair between Fox News hosts and Canadian anti-vax truckers who've now spent three weeks protesting the life-saving inoculations by blocking major roadways and bridges across the country, wreaking havoc on the lives of other Canadians, their economy, and the global supply chain. On Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked emergency powers to quell the protests, and at one of the sites in Alberta, police arrested 11 people with guns, body armor, and a large quantity of ammunition. There have also been sightings of swastikas and Confederate flags, But none of this has stopped American right-wing media from praising what the chair of Ottawa's police board is calling, quote, a nationwide insurrection. According to Media Matters, Fox News has devoted nearly 15 hours of coverage to the story over the last few weeks. Here's a clip. The Canadian trucker convoy is the single most successful human rights protest in a generation. The Canadian truckers are heroes. They are patriots and they are marching for your freedom and for my freedom. Out-of-touch provincial governments, drunk on their own power, thought that they could keep Canadians subdued with these COVID rules forever. But they were wrong. You know what's going to happen. All hell will break loose. That will be the government starting a fight. People may die. What we want is what God gave us, freedom. That's what this is all about. And God bless those truckers for standing firm. What do you think is going on here? Why, uh, why is Fox so excited about these protests, Love it. First of all, it is amazing how they can just, with no information, just be like, these out-of-touch pr- provincial bureaucrats, you don't know the fucking anything about Canada. Name two provinces. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unbelievable. <laughs> Name the bureaucrats. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of what happened when um, uh, uh, they decided that like uh, uh, Fox News just decided to sort um, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip as Republicans and Meghan Markle and Harry as Democrats because Meghan Markle is black. Like, that's it. They're Democrats. Those are Republicans. We're on well, the queen side. And they're old and they're white. They're old and white. They're old white. They're they're us. Meghan Markle's them. Let's go. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know. a redhead. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> just out of control. Out of control. No, it's just, look, they're just, uh, you know. Same thing we were talking about earlier. It's a little boring down here, so I don't know. Let's uh, fan the flames of hatred and outsource and let's uh, let's um, export some of our worst qualities to Canada. Let's let's get Americans all all riled up. Let's get Americans donating to this caravan up there in 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 Canada, and let's just uh, make some entertaining 
hate-filled nonsense for our uh, aging American audience. Yeah, I say this with with love because I do love Canadians. I think they're great. Canada's beautiful country. Um, but you know how, if you heard the phrase, it's America's hat. <laughs> and we've got head lice, you know? Like, it's America's hat and our hair is full Jesus. of lice. And it is, look, anyway, um, it uh-huh. is, I don't think they appreciate it whatsoever. Uh, Canadians overall tend to be a little bit more compassionate, I think, mm. than a lot of Americans. Don't also, agree. the okay. thing that, that really, um, the thing that really gets to me about this is just the strange bedfellows of these pencil-necked Dartmouth College Republicans trying to get in bed with these, like, truckers. Like, we've got Tucker, or should I call him Trucker Carlson? Trucker. Way to go. Selling, uh, <laughs> that was tri- worth the segment right there. That was worth <laughs> Trucker the Carlson trying to profit um, off of the protest by selling T-shirts, I believe, or hats on his on his website for mm. $35 that say, I heart truckers. For $35, I will teach you how to iron on decals onto a T-shirt. <laughs> and then you can, you know... Teach a man to fish. He'll Aaron, eat for life. Aaron's milking a cow during this segment. She's just on the farm in, in, <laughs> in Wisconsin. Exactly. Look, and then, no, the, the backup, it's like, ugh, it's, it's annoying to everybody who lives in Michigan. It's just, it's terrible. But, you know, Tucker Carlson is, I cannot imagine him. And his, I, I just imagine that his hands feel like Play-Doh that just came out of the, the can. Unused Play-Doh. Soft hands. Soft, soft-handed people being like, yes, we are with you, truckers. We understand. And another thing about this whole bizarre, extremely strange media storm on the right about this is the truckers are doing something that is obviously, obviously about the vaccine mandates. Yeah. And it's obviously about this one thing. And then you have people on Fox News being like, it's about freedom. It's They're like following behind them and like, st- like, rewriting what they did. They're like redoing their homework for them and turning it in. And yeah, they're intellectualizing it for sure. They have to make it more sophisticated because basically it's a, there's been a massive propaganda effort to make these people afraid of a vaccine that is safer than fucking Tylenol. And then they bought it. And now they're turning that into a movement against uh, having, against uh, for a tiny, tiny subset of people that are refusing to get the vaccine, even though 90% of Canadian truckers are apparently vaccinated. More than the general population. Uh, so, you know, and so it basically, you know, it's the propaganda gets them all riled up and now the propaganda keeps it going. Uh, and it's sort of very simple, but it's it's simple and quite, you know, it's it's not a righteous cause. Well, if it's, you know, it's a very Fox thing to do, which is it fit ne- it fits neatly into their larger narrative about this working class revolution against the elites, right? Only 32% of Canadians have expressed any kind of support for these protests. It is not this, the idea that it's this movement of working class protesters against these like remote affluent elites is sort of belied by the fact that like, uh, I don't know, the people of Ottawa and Alberta and any everywhere where these protests are, working people's lives are being disrupted. There's uh, factory shutdowns that are happening because of these protests. Canadian auto workers are are suffering from this. So working class Canadians are suffering as a result right. of these protests. Again, like you said, not be not for some like high ideal, but just because they refuse to take a life-saving vaccine. Well, in that way, the way that this is organized is kind of evil genius because what they're doing is having they're they're sending their dogs to go shit in someone else's yard. 
you know, if if those truckers were blocking major American cities, it wouldn't be everybody in America who is watching Fox News is in favor of the truckers inconveniencing them over there. But if it were happening in their cities, it wouldn't be as popular. Oh, I, I think they I want think it. I think they want it. They all they want is another problem for Joe Biden. That is what this is. This is an effort to drum up enough nonsense and noise to get this to start happening in the U.S. And the next thing you know, Joe Biden has to deal with America's trucker problem and the open revolt that they are continuing well, uh, to spread. And what's what's it's it's look, I, it's it's all so simple that it's like it feels frustrating to even have to talk about it. But like I, we are we are liberal people. We believe in, uh, you know, civic protest, uh, nonviolent resistance. But we but like the way <laughs> it is the 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 level of the disruption is meant to match the righteousness of the cause. And Fox News has spent years demonizing any kind of protest, Black Lives Matter protest, that is a far more righteous and noble cause, which we all know that has caused far less disruption. But they treat it like it's a, it's like it's anarchy. They back, they the back end laws, of America. They back laws that allow you to hit protesters with your car. Yeah. <laughs> but because these are conservative, because these are anti-vax, because these are white protesters for the most part, they are treated like protagonists. Uh, as opposed to antagonists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should. You should. Um, in uh, Minnesota, there have been some Black Lives Matter protests that block it, block off the Mall of America or uh, disrupt the light rail between the airport and the mall. Of, it's it's usually the Mall of America. It's usually around a big shopping holiday, and uh, Fox News isn't doesn't think that's noble at all. Yeah, well, they also like disperse after all. Like, look, if yeah. a couple hundred people want to, uh, if a couple hundred anti-vax truckers want to protest outside the just stand outside the Canadian Parliament. And protest, fine, great. Move your fucking trucks. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying, trying to have a society here. We're trying. <laughs> trying I mean, trying. that's that's the thing. I think we all like the undercurrent. Whenever I talk about it with anybody, is just like annoyance. It's just so tedious, and it's not really, it's not convincing anybody to be on their side. It's just convincing people that they will take extreme measures when they don't get their way, which is not a great way to win hearts and minds. Yeah. But I do think I do think that what Fox is really hoping for and some Republican politicians as well is that these protests come to the United States. I think Rand Paul was quoted as saying like, "Oh, oh yeah, I hope it disrupts it the Super Bowl." City. Nobody wants it in their city. Rand Paul wants it to be in LA. Right, yeah, of like, course. Rand Paul in liberal like, liberal hope, blue cities, that's Right, what they exactly. Want. I yeah. hope it's like, dude, have you ever been to LA? We already you can't make the traffic anywhere. Yeah, I think the truckers have been protesting yeah, for yeah. years. A couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're protesting. They're all on the 10, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Los Angeles, huh? <laughs> we love Hollywood. It. What's your dream? <laughs> the uh, <laughs> take fountain. <laughs> you know. Okay, that's now we're now we're being that's very a, specific. No, see, but you don't know that that's a famous Betty Davis quote. <laughs> okay, I don't. Any I advice? Don't. For, any advice for people coming? Any for any advice for people getting into show business? Take fountain. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's insider. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think they think that this is going to be like the next Tea Party thing. Yeah. You know, I, I which, you know, is something it's something to watch. Certainly something I'm to just, watch. I'm here. just thinking about the people who, you know, this is we're, we're hypotheticals on top of hypotheticals here. But, right. you know, just thinking about the people that Donald Trump turned off enough to lose the presidency in 2020. Um, and I'm trying to imagine this, the white suburban moms um, being cool with having trucks making it so they can't get to the preschool to drop their kids off, you know, or or blockading uh, supplies so that if they, you know, are going shopping for the family, they don't have like what they're looking for. You know, I just no, I, I yeah, I totally. I think the reasonable people it'll it'll rile up 
a certain demographic of people. It'll get them real fired up. It'll get them to fork over $35 for a shirt that says, I heart truckers. Hipster gold in five years, that one. And Yeah, and I would just say one, I think, lesson from just what we've been seeing uh, from across the border that we should take to heart is, uh, and Brian Boiler, I think, wrote a great piece in Big Tent about this. Um, I think a lot of Democrats... Sometimes we like to wish away the scale of right-wing menace in this country, or we're afraid to really tackle it, or afraid that if we're honest about it or confront it with the full force of what the law actually says, uh, we'll face even greater blowback. That somehow we should be, we have to cower or not uh, take these or not um, apply the law fairly to uh, uh, right-wing vigilantes. And um, I hope there's a lesson in the fact that like this doesn't end on its own, right? You have to actually uh, make clear what you what you stand for and not be cowed by uh, um, right-wing menace. Yeah, I mean, they you know tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan. They uh, stormed the Capitol. This is not, they're not playing around here. <laughs> and I do think, like, to your point, Aaron, we've talked before about how there's sort of, like, people are exhausted by pandemic restrictions, stuff like that. That exhaustion does not extend to, now I'm happy to have my city um, blocked up, blockaded yeah. by a bunch of, <laughs> right? like, there's a difference between people who be like, oh, I hope my kid gets back to school soon. And yes, I love a bunch of trucks in my city uh, blocking all the roads. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, the trucks are promoting circumstances under which it'll take even longer for the kid to get back to school. Of like, course. just on Friday, um, the CDC and Pfizer announced that it's not going to be, uh, the shot isn't going to be available oh, to kids. So mad. I know. I know. Not going to be available to kids until at least April, which is horrible for parents. Take your time. No, <laughs> no rush. Get, and just on that, and I get it. Like, there's a lot of very smart people on Twitter who I, who I trust, uh, you know, medical professionals saying it just means that they're being careful mm-hmm. and they want the science spirit and they want it to be safe. I get all that. The communication around it has been a disaster. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. <laughs> the expectations raising and then dashing has just right. been awful. Right. Me. Nobody wants a shot rolled out if we haven't proved that it's safe and effective, especially for little kids, of course. obviously. But these parents are so desperate for it to be the case that it's safe, available, and ready for their kid. And then meanwhile, we have these people protesting the fact that they have to take yeah. the shot. Aaron and I are going to go take some trucks and park them outside the FDA. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to... I'm gonna, then I'm going to go yell at Barbara Ferrer's house. I'm not sure which way I'm going <laughs> to go either. I may be pro-mask or anti-mask. Honestly, it changes by the day. But either way, I'm fucking furious. And Barb's, I'm coming to your house. Were you one of those people? I used no to, mask and mask. I used to live right over there. <laughs> and I thought I recognized one of those shouting voices. It was you. It, it could have been day. me. It could have been me. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have that's for today. That's all the time we have that's today. A, Aaron Ryan, thank you for joining Pod Save America. This has been fun. Always what a joy. A pleasure. What a thank joy. You. Thank you. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producer is Haley Muse, and Olivia Martinez is our associate producer. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to Tanya Sominator, Sandy Gerard, Hallie Kiefer, Madison Hallman, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montooth. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash crookedmedia. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. 
Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.